episode 214. Hi, welcome to my mum's show. <laughs> survival guide podcast. My name is Julia Husher and I'm really delighted to have you join me today. You are in for a treat. If this is your first time listening, then I want to wish you a very warm welcome. And if you're a regular, welcome back. Before we get into this week's episode, two announcements. One, the Get Your Sparkle Back Challenge is starting on the 21st of September. So if you want to sign up for that, it is a free 10-day challenge to get your sparkle back, which if you've lost your sparkle at the moment with everything that's going on with COVID, then come and join me and my aim is to help you get it back. It is a challenge, so it's not easy peasy. It's just not a matter of, you know, reading an email or watching a video and done. You know, it's supposed to be a little bit challenging. You're supposed to put a little bit of work in. So you might have to push yourself a little bit. You know, it is a challenge, but I can't wait to run it. And I'd love to have you join me. If you want to join in, I'll pop the link in the show notes. Second announcement. Thrive Tribe, my global membership experience for single mums is open for enrollment again on the 30th of September. I only open this membership up for people to join a few times a year. So if you want to join us in my favorite place on the internet, then you're going to have a small window of opportunity to join us between the 30th of September and the 6th of October. That is Australian Eastern Standard Time dates. So if you want to get on the wait list for that and you don't want to miss out, I'm going to pop the link for that in the show notes as well. It truly is the most amazing community of beautiful, supportive single mums. And as I said, it's my favorite place on the internet. I absolutely love that group so much. And yeah, I'm really excited to welcome some new Thrive Tribers. As I said, I'll pop the link in the show notes if you want to get on the wait list. Okay. Thank you so much to everybody who's recently written in and left a review for me. Today's shout out is from Lizzie Mort in Australia, who said, after 25 years of a beautiful marriage and relationship, my husband has gone. 25 years of seeing each other every day, texting and talking every day. We had issues and had suggested seeing a counsellor, but he was not interested. In January this year, I took my sons away for a couple of days while my husband stayed home to work. When I returned, he told me he had packed his things and he was leaving. The story unravels differently than what you would expect. Your podcast, which I have only discovered, have given me a great deal of validation. The abandoned mother with her shock at not being able to breathe, living in a constant state of anxiety. I was on autopilot trying to act like everything was fine whilst holding it together with jelly, whilst trying to breathe and not collapse and still go to work then to being stood down from my job due to COVID and not knowing how I would survive emotionally or financially. I had to pack up our home of 20 years alone, all whilst in lockdown. 
Your small venture has made me realize I am not going crazy and just maybe I will get through this. Oh my goodness. Lizzie, uh, honestly, I could cry for you. I'm feeling extremely emotional reading that. And I just want to send you so much love. That is really traumatic thing to go through, especially right now with COVID going on. And I want to thank you for writing that review and sharing that with me. And I also want to thank you for listening to my podcast. And I'm just so happy that my podcast has helped you in some small way. I'm absolutely devastated to read what's happened. And I want to reassure you that you are definitely not going crazy and not maybe, as you said, you absolutely will get through this. And I'm just sending you so much love and you're not alone. You are most definitely not alone. Thank you, Lizzie. Thanks again for spending the time to write to me. And, you know, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, I'd love for you to rate and review my podcast too. It It's so nice to hear from from my community. You know, podcasting is is interesting because it's very one-sided it's so nice to hear back from listeners and it it kind of validates to me that what I'm doing is working and helping in some way and that you are enjoying it so if you are a regular listener and you haven't yet left a review I would be super grateful if you could leave one for me it as I said it obviously it helps me be able to communicate with you but it also helps make the podcast easier for new single mums to find and encourages them to listen when they do find it so thank you so much for everybody that's done that and yeah if you haven't yet and you had a few minutes that would be amazing if you could do it too Okay, this week's episode. Oh my goodness, you really are in for a treat. My guest is just incredible, so incredible. And I just feel so grateful that I get to speak with amazing women like this on my show. It's just, it is absolutely mind blowing. And it makes me just quite teary to think that women would come and talk with me and share something so personal in the, the hope of, you know, adding value and wanting to help other women and um oh like seriously how good is this community how good is this sisterhood I love it before we get started I should warn you that this episode may act as a trigger we are talking about child sexual abuse we are also talking about mental illness and we are also talking about suicide and we also talk about drug addiction so I want you to know that this can be confronting to some people and that it can be a trigger but my goodness my goodness seriously you're in for a treat okay let's get into it I'm so excited to have single mom Stacy on the show today to share her story welcome to the single mother survival guide podcast Stacy how are you Hi, Julia. I'm really good, thank you. I'm actually really excited as well to be speaking with you too. So I've been really looking forward to it. Oh, good. I'm so, I'm so excited to hear your story. Um, I love speaking to women and, um, yeah, thank you for making the time. So I guess to start, tell us a little bit about you. You sound like you're from the UK. How many kids do you have? How long have you been a single mum for? Give us a bit of an intro. Sure. So uh, I have one son that is is my own um, and I have two stepdaughters um, now. So um, I am married now, but I wanted to share my story before that time when I was a single parent with my son. Yeah. Um, so it's 
I think it's really mostly about, and, and I am from the UK. I should tell you that you're right, correct. <laughs> <laughs> I am from the UK, yes. Um, so I really wanted to just sort of share really the kind of beginning process and how I went through that sort of single um, parenthood um, and how I've got to where I am now, which is was married with two other stepdaughters. So it's been an interesting journey. Oh, it's really good to hear. Um, I think it gives a lot of people hope. Uh, especially when they hear a story and then, you know, sort of coming out of the other side and rebuilding your life is um, very positive and hopeful for people. So thank you for that. So how long have you been? Well, I guess we should start at the beginning. So were you married to your um, your son's father? Yes, I was with my son's father for 10 years and then I then we were married for two years. So yeah, <laughs> we weren't married for long. Um, to, you know, I never actually wanted to marry him, but I kind of went along with the flow, if that makes sense. Oh, completely. Like just doing, like, I completely understand that. I got engaged when I was like, how old was I? 28 or something. And it honestly yeah. just felt like we were just doing what all our friends were doing. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't like true love, which is why I called it off. I was like, we can't get married. This is not right. But um, I, I completely hear you. It's just like you go with the flow and like before you know it, you're just like in this situation. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like that sort of society expectation yes. of the next steps that you take. Um, and I, re- I remember, you know, well done you for calling it off before you actually got married. <laughs> oh, Stacey, it just about <laughs> killed me and I can tell you it caused such a rift for so for so long because it was only I should add this in it was only a week before the wedding that I called it off oh wow yeah so there was like people flying in from overseas and I was just like I was trying to build up the courage for like a year and then before our wedding I was just like I can't do this like it feels like such a lie I feel I can't get up between like in front of all our family and friends and like declare our love for each other when we both know like we're, we're not like madly in love with each other you know it's not the real deal so. yeah that's so, it's so that is so brave so I take my hat off to you Thank because you, you do that a week <laughs> well that's the, nobody wants to be on that side though do they nobody wants to be the one that actually ends everything because it's not just about you and that partner is it it's it's everybody it impacts everyone around you oh, children does. and friends and family yeah. Um, so it is really hard to be that person that actually says this isn't working. Yeah. So what? So you ended up getting married, and I suppose you had a lot of that pressure being together for ten years. People, I'm sure everyone was like, "So when's the wedding?" All the time, and you're like, oh. <laughs> "Smile, <laughs> no, don't ask me that." <laughs> so you, you know what? We, it was. I I was 18 when I got with him. Wow. So I was really young, and I was actually. My background, I, I was homeless. So I think, you know, oh he's 10 years, 10 years, I think it was more about protection because he was very tall and very big and strong and he was very bold and, you know, he, he came across as somebody that you thought, you know, he can keep me safe. And I think with my background and my history, that's where the attraction was. It wasn't so much that he was my my ideal person I didn't even know who my ideal person was at 18 I didn't really know myself so let alone know who was right for me um 
absolutely yeah it was like a long time to see that so I was never with him for the right reasons so like you said it was never love it wasn't how it should have been so getting to know myself through those 10 years yeah and and he was a very manipulative character as well he was one, one of those kind of people that would find out all that he needed to know about you to use it to his advantage yeah so yeah so I got to as, as I got older I got more confident and I could recognize that and I thought oh my goodness you're, you're a character that just keeps taking me 10 steps back can I can never move forward with you <laughs> it's great that you recognize that Stacy, because it could have gone the other way you could have got like really sucked in and not even realized what was happening and just got lower and lower self-esteem you know absolutely because that that is exactly what happened for at the beginning so you know for the first few years I was probably you know perfect for him because I was easy to manipulate and I was sucked in by it all I believed I was in love so yes so how did you actually meet um well met through um family family friends this is how I met because I was living I was staying with my cousin at the time and I met him through her so wow. yeah <laughs> how people come into your life but yeah you know but what came from him was was my son so yeah out of everything you know that that was the most precious thing that came um but it was a toxic relationship so my my son had to you know hear and witness um all of that toxicity around our relationship um, so it was, it was, you know, we weren't the same kind of parents either. I was very opposite to how I wanted to parent. Yeah. And I know that can be really difficult in so many um, partnerships when one parent parents one way and the other in another direction. And that can be so stressful when you're trying to parent in the most healthiest way possible. But you're just your relationship is full of arguments because neither of you can agree. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yes. You're speaking my language. It sounds exactly <laughs> like exactly like my situation with my daughter's dad. Yeah. We just didn't agree on anything. And I, I was just not being the mum that I thought I would or had the home that I thought I would have. It was just not that kind of loving, oh, we've just had a baby, you know. Yeah. It was like, I can hate you. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, on the same page. You know, yeah. he, he was a very lazy parent as well at the beginning, you know, really, really lazy. He wanted the easy bits, you know, and, and you left to do the hard bits and, and not sensitive to when you're, you know, you're tired or you're struggling. They would, it yeah. would all it would be would, you know, make you feel worse, not better, yes. not pick you up, you know, just make you feel worse. Don't you think as well, when you're in that situation, it's it's incredibly lonely. Like people always think that, you can be the loneliest when you're on your own, but actually I think sometimes being in a toxic relationship is even more lonely because you don't have anyone to kind of confide in and that person who is supposed to be your, like, number one support is just, like, not there and it's awful. Uh, I couldn't agree with you anymore. Yeah, that's so true. To all of our friends, I mean, we had a big social network. All of them thought we were perfect. I don't know where Mm. that impression came from. But everyone was yeah. absolutely gobsmacked when we split up. Really? You know, was, yeah, everyone's like, oh, God, I didn't see that coming. I was like, how? <laughs> how? I mean, was I that good at pretending? I mean, you must have been. You, you must, must have, have been put the on, like, both of you yeah. must have put on this really kind of good public facade. 
Yeah, I, you know, I look back at it now, and I mean, I always try my best to reflect so I can keep learning. Um, and I just think, how how on earth did I give that impression? You know, we argued, and we we weren't embarrassed about arguing in front of people either. Um, yeah, right. So maybe it says something about them. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a bit of a worry. What about what's going on in their relationships? Okay, so. How did so you were together? So you got married and you were together for two years. And your son was he born before you were married or after? Yeah, he was born before. So he was when we officially split up, he was and his father left the house. He was actually just turning six. He was at an age where he, re, he you know, he really struggled because he was at an age to be aware enough um, and still be, you know, his dad when he left, unfortunately, was the kind that would say things to turn him against me, you know, so, you know, make it known it's your mum's fault that we are not together. So, okay. yeah. I so feel I, like our exes might be the same person. <laughs> <laughs> Yours is in the UK, mine's in Australia. <laughs> it just shows, you know, they're everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's a worry. So a what, worry. so he ended the relationship, did he, or how did it come yeah. to an end? I, I ended the relationship. Um, and I, I remember him curling up on the floor, like in fetal position, begging me not to finish it. But you know what? I felt absolutely nothing. I'm a, I'm a very empathic person, but it just showed that it got to a point where he completely emptied me of anything. I was just so numb to it. This yeah. continuous cycle of let's try again. Let's try again. It will get better. It will get better. Um, and I, I remember us even talking about having a second child. Thank goodness I didn't. Yeah. Um, but I remember thinking, I don't want, I don't want a child with you. I don't want to be with you. No, no. It's exhausting those kind of relationships. It is. Yeah. And I think, I think you want in many different ways for it to work out. Mm. Um, I think you trick yourself. You're, you know, your yeah. mind plays games. It searches for once, you know, the, once upon a time when it did actually feel good. Um, yeah but actually you start looking at it and going there's a there's a lot more bad times than good yeah so and I mean more. you you sound like you've cha- you would have changed so much during those 10 12 years as well considering that you were so young when you when you got together and you were also in such a different place to where you were 12 years later yeah and and you know what? he couldn't cope with that he couldn't cope really? with how how strong emotionally that I had got towards him, not strong emotionally against the entire world, but towards him. I, I knew him. I understood him. I analyzed him. You know, he would, he would always try and trick my mind. He would always play games, you know, turn everything onto you. So I had to get very. um, Gaslighting. Yeah. Gaslighting. Absolutely. Yeah. Best way to describe it. And I had to become so aware of absolutely everything that he said just to be able to defend myself in arguments. So, I, be- you know, I became really, really good at it. And he hated it because I wouldn't forget a thing. I would remember actually everything and I would stick to it. You know, there was no budging me. You weren't going to confuse me. And yeah. I think he hated my, my strength that I had gained. Um, and eventually, yeah, I just, I just said to him one day in the kitchen, do you know what? I don't want to do this anymore. Life is too short. I am not happy. And you know what? Nor are you. You surely cannot be happy. I barely want to be around you. I mean, I was out all the time just to get away. Um, 
yeah, but he still tried to want to keep the relationship. I just stood my ground and said, it, it's done, you know. Yeah. So he ended Good up Good on you. Back. I'm really yeah. proud of you and I don't really <laughs> even know you that well. I'm just like, oh, thank you. Stacey, this is brilliant. <laughs> thank you. I mean, you know, I did gain a lot of strength from doing that. To, when you kind of grow up in an environment where your, your self-esteem is so incredibly low, um, and your self-belief is non-existent when you then go through something like that and fight your way out you kind of really find an inner strength that you just didn't know you had and yeah. I came out feeling really sort of empowered but then Good it went on you yeah <laughs> you know one I, I suppose what I to make I think makes a bit sense of what what I'm talking about is I I, have an under, I had an underlying mental health disorder that I, I wasn't aware of um, through that relationship, um, which was borderline personality disorder. But I didn't realise I had that. So I was very up and down. And I, I, with borderline personality disorder, you feel absolute extremes of emotion. So when I had this empowerment moment of leaving, of leaving him, it went to a whole other level. So then I spent a year just almost being like a man myself. I decided, no, I'm going to go around and I'm going to be with who I want to be with. And I don't want a relationship, but I'll, I'll go around and I'll sleep with people and, and I'll leave the next day. And I'm going to feel nothing about it. And yeah. I have this, this idea in my head of that's how men behave. So that's how I'm going to behave and I'm going to be in control. So I went to this whole other extreme um, of a behavior. And it was, you know, it was really intense. I mean, I didn't realise at the time. I thought I was having a, a great year. But when I look back at it and I'm like, wow, you really went the other way. <laughs> yeah. So you were undiagnosed this whole point at this whole time? Yes. Um, and I think it's one of the biggest one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to come on and chat with you actually, uh, with what what you're doing with with helping other single parents is through that through those years of my son growing up, when I reflect back now and all the emotional strain of being in that relationship, you know, my son lacked, he ended up lacking um, the emotional comfort from me because I didn't really have anything in the tank. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, um, of course. And, and he really kind of really suffered in that way. That's only really come out in the past year and a half is his anxiety has just gone absolutely through the roof. It's gone like fireworks. Um, Are you I'm sure you're not, though, like blaming yourself for, you know, his anxiety is not necessarily related to, you know, your relationship? No, and this is, you're right, this is where you have to be careful. And I think to a certain degree I do carry guilt. I think it's like a natural parent thing we carry we, yeah i think we feel guilty every day don't i think we, we do i don't think we're gonna kids. we're gonna continue to feel guilty until the day we die <laughs> absolutely you know so that being there seems to be like a natural thing for parents sadly but we can bounce back from it quite quickly can't we when they're just small things here and there but only through years of reflection if i if i don't sit here as a parent and reflect on past mistakes or ways that i've handled a situation or what messages that I'm telling my son then I can't correct them and the things with the thing with the borderline personality disorder that's all about learned behavior so I have taken my past experiences and I have brought them into my parenting unknowingly at the time so that's where I don't feel guilty because I wasn't aware of it 
Um, what I would feel guilty about is if I didn't do anything about it. But I am doing something about it. Um, so, but what I have done is this belief system of the world is a dangerous place. So I, I suffered with childhood trauma when I was younger. I didn't get, I didn't grow up in a loving home. Unfortunately, my mother was an alcoholic um, and sexual abuse happened within our household. So I grew. So sorry. That's, oh, that's okay. Yeah, thank you. Um, but I grew up with this belief system that men are bad and the world is yeah. dangerous. So I brought that into my parenting. And I can't really be surprised now that I have quite an anxious child. And because he's at that age, as his teens, he talks a lot more now. He has been for years. He's always been very good at talking, actually. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when I hear him say certain things about people, you know, he's very cynical. He's very, you know, distrusting, you know. Um, where does that come from? You know, it's come from messages that I have said through the years, only mm. from my own learned behavior. So, you know, I, so I have, you know, I have a child who, who is very, very fearful of the world around him. And I think when I started working on my, my mental health five years ago, I've become a lot calmer now. So he's not dealing with a mum who is up and down like a roller coaster, which I was, but I didn't realise it at the time. Um, and I had 10 years worth of drug addiction as well. So, Oh, really? Was that like during your marriage, uh, during your relationship? Yes, yes, because he was actually the first person to introduce drugs to me. What? I know. <laughs> oh I know. God. And you're young. And you know what? My father, my father, who is a good role model for me, um, and I lived with him at the age of 12 when I got out of my mother's house, but he always said, you know, stay clear of drugs. And he would plummet into your head. So it became pretty strong. Um, so I was very stereotypical of people that took drugs. But then I lost respect for my father when I ended up running away from his house. Um, so his kind of beliefs went out of my mind, I think. And it was almost yeah. a bit rebellious. Yeah, it was like the opposite you wanted to do, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I, when they, you know, it presented itself, I thought, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to. I became very risk taking, very impulsive. People, you know, they, there's some psychologists say that when you're impulsive is because you have a lack of care to yourself. And I think probably in my case, that would probably kind of fitted. Um, so, yeah, I, t I started taking drugs, drugs with him, actually. The problem was I got a euphoria that I'd never sensed before. And I think when you're an up and down character and most of the time you're actually quite low because of your past, no matter how much you put a smile on your face. Um, that becomes you can see how people, certain people are very vulnerable to addiction. Yeah, 100 percent. So my son wasn't only having to grow up with a mother who was undiagnosed with a mental health, a toxic relationship and highs and lows even more so because of drug taking. And so what, what drugs were you guys taking? So we'd at the beginning, it was, you know, it was mushrooms, hallucinogenics, ecstasy, marijuana. But eventually I tried MDA and speed. What's MDA? Is that like it's, ice? Um, it's like a crystal form of cocaine. So it's like rock form. Right. That. So it's like in little rocks. Okay. But then you can have cocaine. It's just like a powder as well. 
Right, so it's like a different form of yeah. cocaine. And okay. somebody somebody could be listening to this thinking, I don't think you've got that right. And if that's possible, then I apologise. But <laughs> I mean, on the top of, the top of my mind, I'm thinking, I can't think exactly what that is right now. So I apologise if I've described that incorrectly. Well, hopefully there's not too many drug experts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, either way, it's a stimulant. It's a stimulant drug. Yeah. So it, it, you know, it sends everything on, on rapid, rapid speed. Um, but that was the drug that I favoured in the end, which was speed. Um, and, and so how often were you guys taking drugs? So it, for me, eventually it became nearly every day. I would, oh, go to, really? I would go to work on it. Yeah, it just became a normal. People would get up and have a coffee. I would get up and have a bomb is what you'd call it. So it'd be your drug wrapped up in a in a little Rizzler piece of paper and you'd just swallow it. Um, what is it? Just, it's in a piece of paper and you swallow it. Yeah. You know, uh, you, have, you heard, have you heard of Rizzlers? It's like a thin piece of paper that people rolled cigarettes in. Okay, I haven't heard of it, but I think I know what you mean. If it's that cigarette rolly thing, yeah, I love that cigarette rolly thing. Let's call it that. Because <laughs> um, <you>, <laughs> it's such a really thin piece of paper and it dissolves really fast, so um, I would oh. wrap it in that because I, I smoked at the time. So yeah, so I'd find them. I would I would have them always in my tin, or I'd have a particular box. You know, the day I threw that box out, I can't tell you how great I felt because I was so attached to that box. That box had all my bits and bobs in. It was up high. I felt like it's fine. It's up high. It's out of the way. But now I look back that back now, and I think, oh my goodness, Stacey, what planet were you on? You know, I would have nice. Well, that's where... addiction, though, isn't it? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I feel lucky because I've never been addicted to anything. But I, I think like you would be like a slave to that drug. And the minute that you lost that, put that box away, or threw that box out, it's like you've actually got your your freedom back. Yeah, totally. You felt finally in control. You know, mm. but. It was it was just completely pure self medication, but I just didn't realise what I was doing at the time. You know, and do you just, think it was because like you were trying to deal with your kind of, I mean, maybe even like post traumatic stress, and yeah. then with your childhood, and then also because the relationship was so bad, like there was obviously a lot going on that you you know were dealing with. Yeah, I think so, and I just but I just wasn't aware of what I was doing at the time. You know, yeah. you put you you stuff it all to the back of your mind. You know, if mm. you don't talk about it, it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, but instead, you have got a very tortured soul. You just don't you just don't see it, and you don't see the impact around yeah. you either. It's a very you know you just become very consumed in yourself and what you need to do just to survive. Yeah. Um, and, and so, if, how did you give that up? Did you know that you had a problem or was it just like, were you just like, I don't have a problem or like how did that kind of play out? Well, I got, you know, I I always have, everyone always says, where was that moment? And my moment was a particular night. My my mental health got just deteriorated terribly and it would do because if you've got any kind of mental health, if you know of it or you don't, drugs will make it worse massively. And eventually everything took its toll and, I just got to a place um, and I was with my new partner at the time as well. And I'd continued taking drugs through that, um, which obviously he didn't agree with, but he didn't challenge it either because I could be very hostile. Um, mm. So he let me kind of just, I don't know what the correct word is. He's a fantastic guy, bless him. But you know, when somebody, if you're an alcoholic, you take them alcohol, an enabler. 
an enabler. That's yeah. it. Yeah. A loving one. He didn't mean to, but, you know, he wanted to be with me. And that was his ultimate thing. But so I was with him at the time. And he is such a kind, loving person. I had never, which sounds sad in itself, but I had never, ever experienced anybody like that. Mm. somebody so loving towards you and no matter how you behaved he wasn't going to give up he wasn't it didn't matter how much you threw at him he wasn't going anywhere he was just 100 percent committed and I pressed every button yeah (laughs) I pressed every button I could possibly do because to like push him or see what what how far you could go to kind of push him away let's see if you're like everybody else I need to I need to prove to myself you're the same as every other man that I've ever known. Yeah. So I tested him at every angle, but he all he did was prove to me that he wasn't. Um, but you know what? It In a way, it made it worse because all of a sudden, it was just this complete mirror of my behavior that I could see because mm. he didn't fuel the fire, because he didn't match me in any way. And mm. he was showing me this different behavior. It enhanced my recognition of myself. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I could I could see my behavior massively. It completely enhanced. I could just see, I could reflect massively. And all of a sudden I got to a position, a place, and I thought, what's wrong with me? Um, why, you know, why is he like this and I'm like how I am? This mm. is not, you know, I don't want to be how I am because he's so kind, so loving. I don't want to treat him that way. And it started making me question who I was and why I was like the way I was. And then I just got to a place like I felt like I just didn't know who I was and I didn't like me. I really didn't like me. And it was the first time I realised how much I didn't like me. Um, That must have been quite confronting. Yeah, it was really, it was really overwhelming. And this particular night, unfortunately, I had become really suicidal. And this particular night I had planned it out Um, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was very committed to it because I just wanted to, you know, when you try and get into the mind of somebody who thinks like that, for me personally, it genuinely was about saving everybody else from me and my behavior and the way that I was. I genuinely believed everybody would be better off. And that is just self-loathing, I think. You know, you feel Mm -hmm. so badly about yourself to that Mm -hmm. extreme. But this particular night that I had planned this, my son, who has never, ever done this before, he's come down like the odd, you know, the child, you know, children do, you know, when they can't sleep. But this particular night, he came down three times in a row and they were in minutes of each other. And by the third time that he'd come down, I just remember staring at him and thinking, and all he said, all he said to me is, mommy, please, I want to stay with you and cuddle. And all I remember thinking to myself was, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, you've got a boy here that only has you, that needs you. And it was just a, it just, just like a light bulb that just went off in my, off in my mind, you know? Yeah. And the very next day I was on the phone to the doctors and I said, I need help. And, and, and that, you know, it, honestly, it was my love for my son. It wasn't yeah. for me. I hadn't got there yet, but my love for my son was what 
saved me that particular night. And I don't know if he sensed something emotionally because he's a really sensitive boy. He is very yeah. tuned in and even says now, Mum, I feel like a sponge. If somebody is upset or angry, I just feel like it goes all inside me. So he's very sensitive. And I just wondered if he sent something that night and felt the need to be close to me. I feel like definitely um, that got me very emotional. That's like, uh, that's such a hard thing that you went through. I'm so sorry. But um, I I think 100%, I I really feel like, I don't know, like my daughter says to me all the time, mum, we picked each other. And, And I'm like, yeah, I think we did. Like, I feel like her and I just, meant to be and you know it kind of sounds like you and your son picked each other too and like he he was definitely meant to save you that night oh you'll get me filling up in a minute Julia (laughs) I'm trying not to cry it's really emotional but that's like I feel like that's if that's something he never did like he must have sensed it and he wanted to you know he saved you it's beautiful I know and you know what I've I've never I've never spoke to my son about that night I've and I, I don't think I I don't think I ever will until I think he's older older yeah because it I never want him to think that that happened it, or yeah. I was going to leave him um but one day I I would love him to know that you know he, he saved me because he's an incredible kid an absolutely yeah. incredible kid um but that was that's what turned everything around and everything only but got better I mean it was tough but it got better. I've done like four years of therapy. I'm clean of drugs. I've been clean of drugs for two years now. Oh, through that congratulations. Process. Yeah. I think I just say there is a happy ending. I promise you. I, I would just come <laughs> on in and depress your listeners. <laughs> you don't sound like, seriously, you sound very together considering everything that you've been through. Like you sound amazing. Oh, thank you. I, it's, it's been a journey. I tell you, it really has. I mean, I, I do have an, a, an immense amount of willpower more than ever before. I may have like uh, relapsed a few times in the past here and there, but I always got back up and was like, I'm doing this again. I just thought, you know, you've got to use things to your advantage. I am a big control freak. So why not put the control somewhere really useful? So. Yes. Yes, exactly. I want to hear more about that because I want to hear like, so when that night, so that happened and then you, how old was your son when, when did this happen? Four years ago? Yeah. So he's, so he's about nine. He's going to be, yeah, he's going to be 14 this year. Wow. So. Um, and so how did you, like, how did you turn your life around? Because that's a huge turnaround. That's just not like a little um, pivot, you know, like that's a massive 180. Yeah, I think it was desperation to survive. Yeah. Is that, I mean, when you when you have a constant voices, I mean, the voices were so loud in my mind. Um, me and the doctors thought that I was psychotic because I just there was no volume. I would go to sleep with the arguing and the conversations and the images spinning around in my mind. So the moment I would wake up, it was there again. It was just a noise that was driving me absolutely bonkers. And it's torture. Yeah, and I would, you know, I'd go in. To the, I, mean, I was phoning up the doctors all the time out of panic. I, I just remember such a panicky time at the beginning of the journey. I was just so scared. Like I felt like I wasn't in control of my mind at all. Um, it was, you know, like Jekyll and Hyde. Have you heard of that? Mm. So, you know, you've got this. I felt like my voice of wanting to survive was so quiet. Like I, I always looked down, like as an image, I would see myself as this little child at the bottom of this big 
dark hole wanting to climb up but it was just too high to get out you know and that's mm. so it's just a visual of it and every time I climbed just more dirt would fall in but then I could step on that dirt to make another step more dirt yeah. would fall in and it, but dealing with that dirt that was coming down meant I could climb and that's just how I kept looking at it you that's know? such a good analogy I love that oh I think it's really good <laughs> It was just turning, you know, it was just turning, trying to turn a negative into a positive. Um, it was just, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I feel like I'm in a dark hole. And it was just, yeah, well, let's think about how we climb out of that. Um, yeah, and that's, that's all I, a positive way of looking at it. Yeah, and that's the thing. That was what I massively had to do in my own mind. You know, I, I mean, I've, I'm, ev- I'm educated as well along the way. So, you know, while I was doing therapy, I was off my own back learning about how the brain works because for me if I can understand what's going on um it just seems to help soothe me I don't like it when I yeah I don't like it when I don't know um so I was educating myself on mental health and how the brain works and putting some really you know a lot of time into learning um, as well as going to therapy. And I mean, even the first therapy that I did, I ambushed it myself. Um, I what think do you I was, mean? Well, I, I think I was scared of it. So I went in there and, and thought I could just try and control the situation. I wasn't ready, I don't think. I wanted it, but I just wasn't ready. So, you know, my therapist could see through it. Um, yeah. But I, I just made it difficult. And I, I wasted that that my first year being being a bit of a plonker really um because I was just still I was just still scared about it yeah um and then I so I thought I, I thought I was kind of moving on fine by myself but then I knew and I recognized actually I'm, I'm not I'm still struggling so I need to do this again so I went back into the system again and told them exactly what it was I needed. So my first therapy was CBT um, because they said um, they wouldn't start me off first. First of all, they put me on pregabalin, which um, is a medication for anxiety. Um, They said I was too high risk to start a therapy straight away. So I had to wait for the medication to help calm calm me down and turn the volume down on all that was happening in my mind. Um, and then they wanted me to do CBT. So then I had some tools to manage and cope, which was which was great. So I, and I did get some of that from there. But I knew deep down I had to go back to be able to move forward. So I asked them for a therapy that's called CAT, cognitive analytical therapy. And in this particular therapy, they go back with you. So they travel back into your past and traumas and revisit that to be able to move forward. That's quite traumatic to kind of go through that. So, but that helped you. Yeah, I, do you know what I needed? I needed to because it, with sexual abuse, just comes a lot of shame. Mm. Um, and I mean, that's still actually a therapy that I'm still going to be visiting as well. It's the last one that I want to do to help me progress even more. So, because it's still something that I struggle to talk about, so it's still quite. Um, I still don't feel in control of it. And I want to be at a point where I can look back and genuinely say to myself, that's not my, that's not my fault. So, and I know honestly that I'm still not there yet and that's okay, but I just, I just need some more support with that. So, 
So going back and looking at the other traumas was really difficult, yeah. I mean, it's probably been, yeah, it's been really tough. But I knew I needed to. I knew I needed to do that. Yeah. it's you're, You sound so, like, strong and focused and determined, like you know what you need to to get better, you know? Yeah, thank you. I, I'm glad I'm coming across that way. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I'm, I am very, very focused. I just want to, I just, it's kind of like taking your life back because when I look back, I feel like my childhood was completely stolen from me. You know, when you're sitting around a table and you're getting to know new people, or you're meeting new family members because of a new relationship and they're all talking about childhood times of, you know, fun that they had and stories that they're all sharing and you sit there and you've got nothing to share. It's a really lonely place. <laughs> and yeah, I yeah, I can imagine. You know, and you just think, ah, this this kind of really sucks. And you, and I've had times where I've made up things. You know, I've made mm. up stories just so I had something fun to tell. And I don't want to do that. You know, I just I just don't want to do this anymore. I just I you know I want to take my life back and I accept my past for what it is. And you know, I want to get to a point where the past is the past. That's where it stays. Yeah but it seeps into my now and that's what I don't I don't want so but if I don't deal with that it's going to continue to seep into my now yeah so I've got to soothe I look at it personally for me I I look at it soothing that inner child so that child that's hurt that child who's confused that you know that child that is angry you know I need to go go in there and give her the compassion that she deserves I was I was actually about to ask you because I recently did um, a couple of energy um, chakra clearings. I don't know if you're into that kind of thing, but one of the um, one of the exercises that she got me to do was it was a similar thing. It was like really um, kind of connecting with my inner child and even like spending time with my inner child, like imagining myself like going to her and giving her a hug and saying things to her to like you said like to soothe her and um I actually found like it really emotional yeah it's like it is it's really hard to do and I didn't even go through anything like what you went through just I have just like a few minor family issues nothing in comparison like no but it doesn't I always say you know it doesn't you know yes mine are extreme but as a child even the most minor things are heartbreaking Mm. you know we're emotional beings. It doesn't have to be extreme to be difficult to revisit, you know. And yeah. I mean, you know, for me, when I questioned why is that hard, why do I not want to think about her, you know? And it's because I, I blamed her, you know. I blamed my inner child. And that was like the, the biggest thing that I could see. That gave me a gateway to understanding why, you know, I, there was no self love because I didn't think she deserved it. It's interesting that you blame her. Well, the thing is, you know, I wasn't just sexually abused by one person. There was three. So oh my gosh. when you look at the pattern, you you can't help but go, did, did I, did I, you know, when I look at it now, did, did I want it? Did I ask for it? Did I have a label written on my not. forehead? But because of the amount of times, you know, you, you obviously, somewhere along the line, I must have felt that, you know, this has got to be my fault. It wasn't just one person. So, you know, but I've got to unpick. I've got to unpick those belief systems. And my mother was very, very spiteful. You know, she would, obviously she's an alcoholic, so 
you know, she'd be drunk a lot of the time, but she hated on me. You know, I, I ruined her life. So when you've got somebody like who is your mom, who should be filling you with, you know, with love and everything, telling you how much she hates you, you know, you start getting this, you get this belief system that you're a bad person. Yeah, you know, that's so horrible. It, so you grow up with that mindset. And it's completely the wrong mindset. So I can see how all the other things have fallen in place like that, that oh, it's yeah. my fault when you're being told the same things. And I had two brothers as well. You know, they were very spiteful, very spiteful. But then they had to grow up in violence. So, like we all did. So I'm not surprised that, you know, they they were behaving like that as well. And I, and I was the weakest person. You know, when yeah. when people are feeling like they have no power, they will they will gain it back in some way. And I was everyone's scapegoat. I was the youngest. I was the most vulnerable. People could use me to feel in power. And I think that was just the unfortunate circumstances that I was in until I left and lived with my father at age 12. So, Oh, goodness me. Did you, do you have any contact with your or relationship with your fa- family now? Um, I don't talk to my mum. I, um, I tried. The thing is, because I said, because I'm so, so uh, well, it's not just being empathic, actually. It's, it's because she tricked me into thinking that it was my fault. So I always felt bad. So in my later teens, when I did leave my father's and I was homeless for a couple of years, I, had, I ended up back in Shepton Mallet where my mum lives. Um, and I did go to visit her. But on that walk, on that walk to visiting um, my mum, I remember being violently sick in the hedge out of absolute nerves. Um, and walking into that house was probably one of the worst things I could have done because the triggers that I got was incredible. That was um, the house you grew up in. Yeah, yeah. And mm. she she hadn't changed, but I think you just always hope that they will. But as I got yeah. older, I just knew that she wasn't going to change. And actually, all she kept doing was sending me backwards, ten steps backwards, all the time about how I felt about myself. So I just decided enough was enough, and. I just stopped communicating with her, stopped talking with her. Good on you. I think it's the hardest thing when it's family because we're so preconditioned that, like, it's family. Absolutely. Like, yeah, and sometimes your family is just toxic. That's that's what it is. doesn't mean, like, you're better off without them. Well, that was the thing, you see, because I thought, why? I was why do I love this person? Why do mm. I love her when she's been so cruel to me? So when mm. I was learning about how the brain worked, it helped me understand actually this is something that is happening that is slightly out of my control. So it's not because, you know, I'm, I'm a fool or I'm gullible. It's because as children, we need our parents to survive. So my mind is naturally trying to get my pack together so I can Mm. survive. Mm. And then you throw in all your emotions that have now came in this day and age and not caveman times <laughs> so now we have all these other things that are on top of that as well but the bottom line is that was what my mind was getting me to do and it made me feel better because I thought actually now I can look at that and say no because that is not healthy for my pack so I yeah. don't want that person in my pack and it everybody works out works things out differently but that's how I work things out in my mind <laughs> No, I think it makes sense completely. Yeah. So, and I, do you know what? I have felt fine about it. The times that I stopped talking to her before, I, I had so much guilt over it. And it was so nice to stop talking to her and go, I'm okay with this. Mm. So I'm, whatever I'm doing is working because 
I feel okay about this. Do I love my mum? Yes, but I don't like her. I don't like yeah. her and I don't like the behaviours that she has shown me. Um, and I know that's to do with her own past, but she chose to not break the cycle. Exactly. You have. That is the difference. Exactly. Yeah. So. And that's the thing. We all have a choice, especially when we're grown ups. Like we can all have, you know, shitty childhood experiences, some definitely way worse than others like yours. But, you know, you look at two people who go through the same thing and some will completely like basically go down the path you were on before but just not get off it. Yeah. And other people make a decision to, to like get get it together and make something really incredible of their lives and break that cycle. And that's exactly what you've done. Yeah, that's that's it. You know, and I'm I. We talk to people who are in addiction. We talk to people who are supporting people in addiction. And you want to try and give them hope that actually you can turn things around, but my goodness, I won't lie to you. It takes determination. It takes willpower. It takes self-control. It takes mindset. It takes good people around you. You have to make sure you've got the right people around you. I can imagine if you're vulnerable and you've got someone there going, oh, go on, just just tonight. Like it, yeah, <laughs> it just end night. up back where you were before. And you have people, you know, I've had to remove um, a few people from my social network because I was hanging around with all people that that consumed drugs mm. um, and there was actually quite a number in my group of friends that actually started taking taking um leaders sorting themselves out which was great off the back they started of, what they started so off the back of watching what I was doing and I was very open and saying I'm not taking drugs anymore I need to get better I'm not healthy my mental health is really bad they started reaching out and sorting their lives out as well which was great Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, so it had a really positive impact on some. But one of my oldest, closest friends, we don't talk now, unfortunately, but she couldn't handle my change. I think she wanted me to stay where she was as a comfort for herself. Um, And I think what I was doing probably flagged up too much for her. And I think it became very overwhelming. And to deal with that, she cut me out, which is her choice. Um, And she had you know, ever wants to knock on my door in the future, I will always be open for a conversation. But until then, <laughs> until yeah, then. completely. And so, what about your ex? Like your son's dad? Is he? What, what's he doing these days? Is he taking drugs? Is he? What's he? What's happening I think there? He, I think he's stayed smoking marijuana for a long time. Which I mean, I it's only you know assumptions here. But my son doesn't really see him. My son's gone like years choosing not to speak to his dad. He finds it really hard to communicate with him. His dad lives quite far away in a a city. um, And he's he's not very good at, you know, routine and sticking to things. And I enforced that and said, we need a routine for him. It's important he knows when he is seeing you. It's important for everybody so we all know what we're doing. Um, Yeah. And he would cancel here and there and Rome would just get really frustrated um with the situation and and he would try and talk to his dad he's been used to me in the way that we communicate and because his dad is very the opposite he struggles with the fact that his dad doesn't talk with him in a certain way or listen to him when he's when he's talking um and he doesn't like the fact that his dad smacks his two other children that he has his rowan's never been smacked so oh does he wait so did he repartner and have more kids after 
Yeah, he's got four children by three different women. And is your son the oldest? No, he's the second eldest. Right. Yeah, so so he doesn't he struggles with that when he's been around his father as well. But when he went over a year not talking to his father, I said, you can come down and see him, but I want you to build this relationship up because I don't want him going all the way miles away from me and become distressed and I can't get to him. So until you build your relationship up, he's not going back up there to stay with you. Um, You know, you need to prioritise. So he was doing that for a while. Um, And then whenever anything would go wrong, it would always end up coming back at me. So your mum said this or your mum did that. And half the time, I, you know, this is why I think he might still be on drugs because half the time it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I would think I've not sent him any messages. I've not spoken to him. So I don't even know how I am to blame (laughs) anything. Oh, yeah. Something's not right there. Something's not right. Yeah. Something's not right. But um, but my, my son can see through it. Like I said, he is very switched on kid. He's very clever. And he just said, Mom, I know he's lying. I know he's lying. And then he yeah. chose to stop talking to him again for another year. Um, Your son sounds really switched on and um, sweet and caring. And can I just say, like, I know you carry a lot of guilt, but he's also the way that that beauty that he has is because of you. Yeah, you know, there'd be a time where I probably wouldn't have accepted that, but I, I can see a lot of the good things that I've taught him as well. Um, yeah, and to be compassionate to others, you know, put yourself in other people's shoes and understand how people feel. And um, he is inc- he is incredible. Sometimes he can have a conversation with me better than some adults I know. Yeah, um, and he's going through a mental health um, mental health services himself as well now. And if he wasn't so brave, it probably wouldn't be as moving as fast as it is. Like, I look at him and I admire him. At his age, to be able to own how he feels and talk about how he feels, it's like it it blows my mind. And I always say to him, you are incredible. I could have never, I could never do what you do at your age. You know, I said, But it doesn't blow my mind because just even talking to you for an hour is like, it would be strange if he wasn't to me. Do you know what I mean? Because you you sound so amazing and, like, he's getting all this from you. So even though you weren't that age, it, it's rubbing off on him now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I should probably take a bit more credit, shouldn't I? Yes, <laughs> definitely. Okay, Tia, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know, but I just, I, like, I want, you know, his, his self-esteem is so low because my expectations were so high when he was younger mm. um so I just I just want him to know that he's incredible I just think he's incredible yeah. that he, he's doing what he's doing and he's being so brave the past year incredibly brave and um yeah so I just I just admire his little his little self he's only little I, I probably he's not that little anymore but I, <laughs> but he is little to me you know he's singing to be taller than me so I won't get away with calling him little you'll <laughs> <laughs> be like mom yeah because I'm little always likes to remind me every time we're walking next to each other I'm getting taller than you yeah well that's not (laughs) too hard son is it because I'm tiny (laughs) (laughs) well that's so sweet oh my gosh I absolutely love that um I've got a couple more questions for you kind of around single parenting but is there anything else that you want to cover with in part of your story before we kind of finish up no I, I I I think we've you know I think we've really ran packed that haven't we 
Yes. I feel like we went very deep and like, yeah, you're amazing. It's really, I'm, I'm very aware that my story can be really hard for some people to listen. And, I, and I've got to a place now where I say it almost quite blasé. And, you know, but inside it's still hard. You know, I do get emotional, yeah. but I've got better at sort of bouncing, bouncing back. Um, but I, I am very aware. That it can be really tough for other people to hear, you know. It's it is hard to hear, but you know what? I guarantee you everybody that, is listening to this right now will be like, oh my God, Stacey is just like a rock star. How amazing is that woman? Like <laughs> it's, it's super inspiring, you know? So like, yeah, like definitely I think it's, it's uncomfortable for people to hear about things like childhood trauma and sexual abuse and drug addiction. And, you know, it's, it can be definitely be confronting and uncomfortable, but it's also super important. I think it's important topics to talk about. It's not something to just like sweep under the carpet and um, it's super inspiring to, to see, you know, you go through all this situation and, and you know, and doing this massive turnaround. It's amazing. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So something that I always like to kind of ask single mums when I have them on the show is um, if you have any advice for new single mums and also your favourite thing about being a single mum. Okay, so my advice would be for a single mum is always or here and there take the time to check in with who you are. You know what? I've got to tell you, no one's ever said that and I think that is bloody brilliant advice it's so important I'm really glad you said that carry on (laughs) (laughs) yeah because I I wish I had at the beginning and only only because when you're first time you know when you're first time parent the things that we worry about like are we feeding them the right amount are we giving them the right amount of sleep time am I getting this in the right place that in the right place when we a lot of time I think we forget about emotional actually who we are and if actually if we're quite happy you'd be amazed how happy your child is even if you're not getting the sleep patterns right or the food completely correct in the right order or the right amount of nutrients or whichever actually you know happiness is better than all of that you know completely and I just think that if you can always you know try and spend some time on just your mindset and thinking about how you feel about yourself and maybe the messages that you might be sending across to your children, you know, Yeah. then I think that's, that's, that's really important, but that's, that's my, you know, that's my personal advice maybe because of my background, but I think, I think it's good for anybody. Oh, I think so too. Even that's just, that's just general great life advice for um, all mums, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. But especially I, for us. Yeah. Cause here in the UK, you know, when people have children for the first time, it is it is rammed down their throat about how to physically look after a child. There is no emotional. Yeah. And, they, you know, they, they, they've got the balance really wrong here currently. And it would be nice yeah. to see them actually come in with some emotional support and advice and techniques and just physical yeah, I 100% agree. I thought that as well after I had a baby. I was like, you know, you learn so much about the physical, like how to put on a nappy, how yeah. to breastfeed, how to do this, how to do that. Um, but I thought like actual looking after your relationship was completely underrated because I think 
even the the best of relationships struggle when you first have a kid and like it it when your relationships is, is your relationship is already not great um you know it's just going to be a recipe for disaster really but there was no like okay this is actually going to completely change your life like you know you need to look after yourself and maybe you can talk about these kind of things with your partner and I don't know it just wasn't focused on that at all you know but it's so important (laughs) so important and to think of how many situations could have been avoided yeah you know how many things that that could have flared up if those conversations were being had yeah and so what's your favorite what's your favorite thing about being a single mum okay so my favorite thing is I get to do it my way. Mm. And with my, you know, with my partner now, because he's not his son, it's still kind of my way, if that makes sense. I'm reasonable. Yeah. I am reasonable. You're like your final say. Yeah, because I know how I parent now is pretty good. It can, yeah. you know, it can always be better, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> You can't give yourself a compliment and be like, but well, sort of. And then take it away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then actually, I'm terrible for that. <laughs> so I, I kind of feel like that that is probably the best thing for me. I, I'm all for partnerships and coming together. And me and my current husband now will f- hopefully forever be. <laughs> it's probably worth that yeah. there as well. Oh, he sounds um, amazing. He sounds amazing. He is great. He's fantastic. And I and I let him have so much more say now in how how we parent after lots of conversations, mind. Um, <laughs> but before, you know, he wasn't allowed he wasn't allowed to say a thing. So I totally appreciate what he can bring into parenting though. But as a single parent, the best thing was it was just my way because there's no arguing. There's no, you know, there's just no, when I just want people to see the positive of when you're on your own because that that was for me. I could yeah. just get things on track and do it my way and become confident in the way that I was doing it. And um, you just feel, you just get to have this wonderful bond. Mm. Yeah, the so bond I, is really special. Yeah, absolutely. But that that's probably the that's probably the most honest answer that I can give you on that one. I love it. I, thank you so much. Um, I've absolutely loved talking with you today, Stacey. Like, seriously, I, I'm really grateful that you shared all of that. You're so, like, you're just so amazing. I, I just, I, I'm kind of speechless because you've just been through so much and you are just amazing. Like, uh, I, I don't know what else to say. It's incredible. Um <laughs> Yeah, so I'm just really grateful for the, the fact that you were so open. And I know it's, like, hard to talk about as well, I'm sure. Um, and you mentioned, you know, you're not completely comfortable talking about it yet. So I just want to thank you for, you know, sharing what you did with us. So, yeah, really appreciate it. Well, thank, and I thank you for, you know, letting me come on and, and, and sharing my story. And, and I hope it, you know, it helps a lot of single single parents out there as well and I hope they get something from it um some value from it and I do appreciate you taking the time and yeah and getting to talk to you and meet you which has been lovely it's been really I guarantee you everyone will be inspired like oh you're amazing (laughs) you know it's just taking something something bad and turning it in into good and I've you know I've been sharing a lot over the past couple of years on social media and it it is hard because you open yourself up 
Oh, have you? That's so. Where are you on social? Um, so I have a company called Resilience Voyage. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So it's it's all about prevention, believe it or not. Obviously, my my past has had a lot to do with the line of work that I've gone into. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's, it's great. So yeah. So so my my company we do that with a colleague as well alongside. Um, and we work with a lot of young people and adults. Um, but we're on Facebook as well under this under the same name. Um, and we have a resilience group. Um, and then there's just and then there's just me with my profile too. <laughs> so, Which one? So where do where do you share your your story stuff? So I I talk and share a lot about. I'm very open with my profile. So it's you know it's I connect with a lot of people on there who have experienced some of the things that I touch on. Um, so that's I'm under as Stacy Stacy Litster. So on Instagram, you can follow our business one because my Instagram one's just quite genuinely kind of. Um, I'm only I don't really use Instagram too much on a personal level, but I'm under as Stacy Louise Litster. Right. Okay. And then all my all the work ones are Resilience Voyage. Resilience Voyage, and that's on Instagram and Facebook. That's Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> Snapchat. I'm I'm hogging it all. <laughs> Greedy is what that is. Oh my gosh! Well, I'll definitely put those details in the show notes if anyone wants to go and check Stacy out. And um, my goodness, thank you so much. I've just loved our chat so much. Oh, I've really enjoyed it as well. You're you're a super sweet person, and um, oh, so thank you. you for being um, so lovely on the other side. It's made it a lot easier. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. All right. Well, um, have a wonderful day and um, I'll speak with you later. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Bye. Oh, Stacey, I'm, I'm still just completely lost for words. I just think you are like, it's, it's mind blowing and you're such an inspiration and yeah just thank you. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. I I love your just attitude to life. And I loved how we were talking about breaking the cycle and how you've really taken like such a shitty experience, like so shitty. And you've really, really turned your life around and it's, it's extremely inspiring. And I think that can give anyone hope regardless of what they've been through or what they're going through. It, it suggests hope and it suggests that your life is in your power. You decide, you decide how you live, you decide, you choose, you choose whether you want to be a victim or whether you recover and turn your life around. And yeah, I just think you're amazing. So thank you. I'm going to pop the social media links that Stacey mentioned in the show notes. So you can get in touch with her over there And if you wanted to get in touch with me, you can send me an email to julia at singlemothersurvivalguide.com or you can connect with me on Instagram and Facebook at singlemothersurvivalguide. To check out all the other podcast episodes, just pop on over to the Single Mother Survival Guide website, which is www.singlemothersurvivalguide.com. And you can check out all the episodes there and read my blog. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, don't forget, if you want to join the Get Your Sparkle Back Challenge, 10-day free challenge, starts on the 21st of September. Let me help you sparkle. I will put the link in the show notes if you want to sign up. And this is a big one. If you are interested in joining Thrive Tribe, put this date in your calendar now, September 30th. 
September 30th is when I'm going to open the doors to Thrive Tribe. I do not open them very often, only a few times a year. So if you want to join the global membership experience for single mums and my favorite place on the internet that is just filled with incredibly beautiful, supportive women, we really do have such an amazing community then we would love to have you. So I'll put the link to join the wait list in the show notes as well. And that way you will be informed via email as soon as the doors are open. I'd love for you to rate this podcast if you have enjoyed it. And if you have a few minutes, even writing a review would be just so amazing. So thank you for doing that if you have, and thank you so much for listening. I I hope you have a wonderful day or evening, depending on where you are and when you're listening, and I look forward to speaking with you again next week. Okay, bye for now.